Welcome to the Continuous Delivery Podcast. My name is Zarar. I'm Kino. I'm Chaba. And I'm Cheesy. We always try to have teams which are cross-functional and are able to deliver some software to production all the way. And sometimes that team isn't as simple as just having a front-end developer and a couple of back-end developers uh, who know Mongo to get it shipped. Oftentimes, you have situations where you require people from deep into the organization's architecture to complete something, like mainframe systems. How do you reconcile delivering working software while not having ready access to these key people who change the systems that the software depends on? I would start with expanding on the problem a tiny bit uh, as well. Um, in an ideal world, you would you would be able to say, okay, hang on, all the technologies that we touch, let's make sure that somebody on the team knows how to work with those technologies. But we might even be in a situation where if we do that, then we suddenly are expanding the team to a size that is absolutely no longer maintainable and no longer as nimble as we want them to be. So, so that's kind of the, the, the challenge in, in a whole, right? So it's, it's uh, how do we deal with those dependencies when we are trying to cut that sliver throughout the entire architecture in order to create those teams that can make that entire change? I see a few patterns arise. Uh, I don't like uh, either of the extremes of the pattern, one being... Uh, the slice throughout the entire architecture just because of the size of the teams, the other being component teams, which is obviously not good uh, as well. And I think we've talked about this in the past. Um, but I'm, I'm definitely open to some, uh, some other ideas, uh, something that, that would find that balance a tiny bit better. I would look at the, at the risks. What, what are the, the biggest risks in this application? And, uh, and uh, if, if we are looking from a technology perspective and we say that the biggest risk is the, the integration and, 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 and finding that, that very, very, very first slice, I would say that the walking skeleton would be a, would be a pretty, pretty good uh, uh, pattern. And, and uh, you mentioned the, the question of how do we organize these teams? Uh, I've seen situations where this, this team who is responsible for this walking skeleton would would get temporarily these some of these experts that they could work with so they literally they would be part of that team and they could pair with them or or mob with that person and and at least for developing that walking skeleton and and doing some knowledge transfer at the same time they would they would work very closely with them now the question is what what do you do if you need like 10 experts and um, that that would be a different conversation yeah, I, I, I want to talk about a couple of actual uh, examples, one that went well and one that didn't in the past uh, year and a half. Uh, so the first one was, I'll start with the one that went quite well, uh, an organization, three development teams uh, were making some change, building out an app that was re- going to require a lot of changes on, on a backend mainframe system. And uh, the, the, processes and the way that they worked were radically different. So the front end team wanted to deliver continuously. The, the mainframe team would go through, you know, the simple, they, this, uh, uh, in some cases, a multi-month process that had at a minimum a two-week manual testing effort before anything went. And they had this whole notion around we develop things in one region, move to another, you know, a whole escalation process that, that simply wouldn't work for this front end team because they wanted to have things in production much sooner. 
So what they opted to do uh, was run what they call an experiment. So, and it was called an experiment where they brought a couple of developers from the back end up to set with the teams that were delivering more rapidly. Now, now initially, uh, it didn't really bring about any change to that process. But what started to happen is is mutual trust started to, to come about. Uh, that the the team started seeing how the front end or the 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 more agile team was really really focused on quality over time. Uh, the front end team actually, or sorry, the mainframe team started to even catch some of the the fever of what was happening in the continuous delivery team. Started doing things like adding unit tests to some of the mainframe processes. So uh, it still wasn't perfect, but what they were able to do though is they were able to get down to instead of a, a month to two to three months in some cases, down to a week or so turnaround for changes, which was just astronomical compared to uh, what, what it might have been in the, uh, previously. Uh, within the same company, another group, uh, the backend team absolutely refused to do that. So what we ended up with was in around three weeks or so, the the really the agile team was able to deliver code, uh, but there was nothing on the back to test it with. They, they built up mocks and and etc. But they had to wait. Uh, I think it was over three months before the back end code was ready. It just seemed like a large waste. So uh, so there there's some ground there to pursue uh, around those two different options. But but Hino, what do you have to say about that, or what are your thoughts? Yeah, and I definitely like that first option. This was also where my mind was going in, in in a particular case that I'm that I'm dealing with to bring somebody in from those legacy systems, embed them completely within the team, and work together as one squad. Where indeed the current team would learn a little bit more about the technology used in that embedded system, in that legacy system, and the person or people who were in, introduced uh, and who were used to working in that legacy system would learn a little bit about the the other uh, the other practice so that that makes makes total sense and the uh, the other example is one that i i mean it, it to me it sounds like like it's a uh, it's component team right but all the the problems that you get uh, as such and that is when do you integrate how can you make sure that these things work together well and so forth the question now that i have as a as kind of a follow up and, and this is what i've been uh, working with in my head as well is uh, how do you pick when there's so many legacy systems that you need to interact with how do you pick which ones you actually embed in your team and and the the best answer that i have there is basically chava's point earlier on uh, is use use the risk the, the risk of integration what is the system that that uh, you foresee the biggest problems with and and try to to see if you can get uh, that work done closer to uh, to the team that is that is working on the direct customer impact so as you guys were talking, uh, I was just thinking about what's needed for this pattern to be successful. What's needed for people who work deep into the organization's mainframe or these system of record systems? How do you integrate them into cross-functional teams that actually deliver? And I, I, I guess you need you need two things. First, you obviously need the people who have the skills and the knowledge to write that code, which does the real heavy lifting of of changing financial transactions and all the stuff that's hidden way behind layers in on mainframes and so that. So we definitely have to bring them over into uh, in, into the cross-functional team. But the, the bigger problem really isn't that. I, I think it's 
the software that resides on those on those core systems follows a very different process in the way it goes to production. It, it, it probably goes, it, it's probably very heavy duty, probably a lot of waste in there. Um, and for good reason, maybe, because that's how they've always done it. And that's how they've always secured it. So maybe that's all they know. So when whenever we bring those people into uh, cross-functional teams, we have to make sure that they become advocates on doing things differently because getting them over and getting the software out the door is one thing, but they need to be able to challenge the existing process that that mainframe code uh, follows. Because without that, without that advocacy, uh, without their support, we will we will only temporarily solve this problem. We, we may solve it for this particular project, but we won't actually affect change in the organizations until the same people we bring over to the cross-functional teams actually go back to their teams and go, listen, there's a better way of doing this. We just have to think differently about it. And I think that's the seed that we have to plant when we when we talk about these patterns. So there are going to be some times whenever it is not possible to bring those people uh, into the more agile teams uh, because of political reasons or organizational boundaries or whatever it might be. Uh, I've run into this several times over the years. And yet still, you want to try to find a way to make things flow smoother, you know, and and to help. And so I am just going to go right out and say that that the place that the one thing that I've been able to do in situations like that, that have helped the most uh, has been to help them really reevaluate their testing practices. So from my experience, especially on those uh, really large mainframe backend systems, they often use front ends to test. So in other words, they don't really think about building test harnesses or anything like that, but instead they wait till the front end UI is done when the back end is done. And then they go through the UI to test the back end, which means that they often don't do a lot of testing until fairly late in the process. Uh, it, it means that, that, that they're hesitant to push things into environments until they go through these, these fairly significant gates Etc. So, again, one of the things that I've been able to do that 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 has alleviated a lot of pressure related to that is just simply have conversations and discussions, and in some cases, get hands on with their testers around good testing practices, around helping to build out test harnesses, around trying to test things at at a more, I'll call it a unit level, but it's not a unit level that we might think of in maybe a more modern programming environment. And to really try to help them understand that, that, that we can start to test things much earlier in the process. We don't have to wait until everything is done. Everything is ready. They may need to want to wait until everything is done or ready to move it out into production, but to move it to a place where it can be integrated to that, that, and, and that it can happen much, much sooner if we can test sooner. I would add to, to what Jesus said that if, if you have a chance to to bring these these people together, uh, one thing that, that you might want to try, and this is this is with one of my clients we tried and we found it was it was very successful, is sitting together the let's say a mainframe or like a COBOL developer with the, with this modern stack developer. And um, and what we did in that particular case is is for example, we just asked this this developer, okay, set up some some data. And the Java folks were just watching and like, oh my god! Like like so so they uh, 
they, they just had a chance to understand the difficulties and, and the complexities of this system. And then uh, when the, the Java developers were writing a unit test and the COBOL developers said, wow, this is interesting. So, so it's kind of uh, putting th- these folks together, both of them started to have an appreciation for the complexities and, uh, and, and, and what these developers were doing. Even though the Java developers didn't understand too much COBOL, they could kind of read the code, but they didn't really know that well and, and vice versa. This kind of um, uh, building some empathy between the two, the, the, these two, these two groups, uh, really helped uh, these guys to to start thinking outside the box. And and to, to what Cheesy described, what if we add some tests to the to the to that to those mainframes? What if we what if we do some automation? And and it was it was fascinating to see these two groups how they started to help each other and and building tools for each other. Uh, and, uh, and and that actually made the entire the entire uh, project or the entire initiative extremely successful. It's a good point, Chaba. What you bring up related to uh, to empathy. Um, oftentimes, when you see teams that work in in different environments that work with different processes, you see them refer to one another with not necessarily with disrespect, but but almost with a little bit of of an emotion, like. Yeah, I mean, they, they don't know any better or, or they, they they don't apply the right practices. So uh, we are smarter than them. You, you oftentimes, even not intentionally, uh, see, see this creeping up a little bit in, in conversations. Having people actually feel the pain of those other environments and, uh, and being able to, do, to, to work in, in them uh, might definitely help and might, might inspire them. To uh, to try to think with them, not just uh, not just for them, but with them on on how we can address this now together. Yeah, so so I think that's that's really what the, the key is in, in any of those engagements. So there are some times where we have to interact with organizations that are not tremendously slow, maybe like some of what we're, we're talking about, or, or where the mismatch is not so great. And uh, if we do run into cases like that, or uh, we actually should not try to change our process to match theirs, or even if the back end is really slow, you know, we, we shouldn't try to change what we're doing on the front end to, to somehow match what they're doing. So I, years ago, uh, several years ago, I worked quite a bit uh, in, in a mobile space. And we had a fairly regular schedule of going to the app stores. Uh, and uh, even when the back end that we needed to integrate with wasn't available, we went anyway. It's just that we had toggles on, toggles that we could turn on remotely, uh, you know, after uh, the app store, uh, et cetera. So uh, the, the, the key thing is to stick to the values and to the things that we know work even if the people that we have to interact with aren't able to follow those for, for whatever reason, we should not compromise on, on the way that we, we know works. So, so just one question, because uh, left me uh, left me thinking, like, you know, you mentioned this, this, this extremely complex situation where we have multiple systems and, and we found a pattern that we are going to bring some of these folks into our, into our, our squads. So uh, what is the, what, what should be then the, the overall strategy? Like, like, do we have a conclusion and say, then let me just try to bring folks in, into our squad, but but is there anything else that we can do in this in this case? And and to 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 cheesy, cheesy mentioned, what if you cannot bring them in? Like, is there anything else we can do? 
There are there are a couple of different things, right? Uh, the ideal, indeed, would be to have a slice throughout the entire system. But as I said, because of the complexity, that's not really possible. Or the size, that's not really possible. So there are a variety of different things that we need to do. And I think it's all balancing out. The things that Cheesy was referring to uh, related to testing, like try to, to figure out how we can in- increase uh, or improve the testing maturity uh, of those, those legacy teams who might not have been exposed to that modern way of, uh, of testing software will definitely help. And, and I think it's a, it's a multi-pronged approach uh, where not just uh, embedding people from, uh, from the legacy teams into, into our delivery team will help. It's also trying to figure out how we can increase that testing maturity. Also uh, trying to figure out how we can build that empathy uh, between, between multiple teams. Also trying to figure out how we can create, if you will, milestones for integration that hopefully are not three months apart, but uh, but way sooner. Uh, so we don't uh, have that situation that uh, Cheese was referring to w- with that one team that where, where the, the front end was ready and then had to wait for the back end. So it's a combination of multiple things that we'll need to balance out. And, and all of those things are tools in the toolbox that we can apply. Yeah, and, and uh, actually, you, you mentioned exactly what I was I was hoping that, uh, that that these teams could find a compromise between okay we are not going every day we are not going every three months what would be something that that somewhere in between right and 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 set and define those milestones but even before you get to that milestone is there an opportunity to define a contract is there an opportunity to de- to define some kind of uh, like like maybe work together to define some 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 smart marks that that they can help each other so 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 that way it's kind of like bridging. Uh, some of these integration risks that usually we all saw sink uh, large projects. And that concludes this edition of the Continuous Delivery Podcast. Goodbye.